I'm Katie McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. My six-year-old daughter asked me the other day what the point of Lent was. She didn't ask it in, in like a snotty or, or nasty way. She was genuinely curious. What's the point of Lent? She's in first grade. They're talking about it a little bit more frequently, especially since it's coming up rather quickly. And so I told her, well, the point of Lent is to get us ready for Easter. And then I I thought about it a little more, and I realized that's actually not the point of Lent. If Lent was just a period of time to get us ready for something else, we'd probably take it for granted. And maybe sometimes we have thought that, and so we have taken it for granted. But what if Lent wasn't just this 40 days of a boot camp? For our spirituality, where, well, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this, and then I'll be ready to celebrate Easter. Then I'll be ready for Peter Cottontail and for the chocolate eggs and the Reese's pieces and and all the other manner of sweet treats that celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. What if Lent wasn't just a stepping stone to Easter? I got to get through Lent to get to Easter. What if instead it was a valuable experience in and of itself? For a couple of years now, we've done this on Ave Explorers. We've asked this question of of how we can make Lent more fruitful, how we can be intentional with the way that we practice our Lent, the way that we do certain things in our Lent, the way that we remove certain things from our Lent, the way that we invest ourselves in the 40 days of prayer and fasting and almsgiving with purpose. And hopefully not just to get us through the season with a better attitude than maybe if we didn't have a podcast or didn't have a reflection book, but actually to get us through the season, recognizing that we're walking through this desert, we're walking through this intentional journey of Lent, so that when we do arrive at Easter, yes, we can celebrate it to the full, but more importantly, we can say, I am now different. I didn't just get through Lent to get to Easter. I walked through Lent with purpose, and it led me to this Easter experience that has been fruitful and life-giving, and I am now changed. Then maybe over the course of our, our Lenten experiences, something begins to happen within us. And for a couple of seasons, like I said, we've walked through reflection books written by incredibly thoughtful and faithful men and women, Sister Miriam James Heidland, Father John Burns, and now we add to the ranks my dear friend, Father Agustino Torres, who, with his signature Franciscan flair, walks us through the desert of Lent, not because, oh, we just have to be driven out into the wilderness so we can get through it, but because something might happen in the wilderness that is fruitful all on its own. To get us ready for this season, which next week we start Lent, so you still have time to go buy Made for Heaven from the good folks at Ave Maria Press. It is a fantastic book that you'll absolutely love, and it'll walk you through the journey of Lent in a lot of of really beautiful ways. But to get us ready, we thought a week before, a week out, what would it look like if we sat down with someone who could maybe ease us into this 40 days? who could ease us into this praying and this fasting, this almsgiving, and not just put us in a mindset of got to get through it, but lead us with focus and with purpose so that we can 
really embrace what God is trying to do for us in this season. Sister Josephine Garrett has become a very close friend of mine. We chat on the phone pretty frequently about a lot of different stuff, life, ministry, all sorts of manner of things we're discerning and working on. And when we sat down for this Lenten conversation, it was as always, we're laughing and really digging deep on some things and then 30 seconds later cracking up about something else. But she said something in the course of our conversation that I think you're really going to love, where she talked about how Lent is to get us ready for heaven. That Lent helps alert us to the fact that our home is heaven. That yes, we're made for heaven, our home is heaven, and so we should start living now like we're actually getting ready for that. It's really a profound insight. We're trying to keep all the episodes for this Lenten season of Ave Explorers short, half an hour or so, so that you can really get these spiritual nuggets, the spiritual wisdom, but it doesn't take up a ton of time in your day, so you can get right back to the book that Father Agostino has written for us. We want to challenge you in this particular Lenten season to walk through Made for Heaven, maybe find a, a friend, maybe find a companion, do it with your spouse, do it with a, a sibling, do it with your family, a Bible study, a classroom, all sorts of different walks of life that you come from to allow Made for Heaven to really be an anchor over the course of your Lenten season. And then use this little podcast of ours, these quick 30, 45 minute episodes to give you that boost, that shot in the arm to help you on the Lenten journey. And so to get us ready for all of that, here's our preview podcast for Lent 2024 with my dear friend, Sister Josephine Garrett. Sister Josephine, it's always great to have you. Thanks for joining us on Ave Explores again. Thank you, Katie. It's good to see you. It's always great. To, I feel like we've gotten to chat quite a bit lately, which is such a gift. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. We were on the phone yesterday and then I was like, wait, I think I'm supposed to interview her tomorrow. <laughs> so I just double checked <laughs> with you. It all worked out. Thank you to Calendly in Motion. We are launching our new Ave Explores Lent season, digging into Father Agostino Torres' is Made for Heaven. And I just, at the outset, I love that title for the book this year. What does Made for Heaven like mean to you? Like When you hear that phrase, what, what comes to mind? What images, what thoughts, maybe what experiences? So what Father Agostino wrote for this Lent for Ave Maria, I'm writing for next Lent. Ooh. And so, yeah, so I'll be the author for next year's Lenten journal. And so I'm I'm working on that manuscript. And so when you say made for heaven or Father Agostino says made for heaven, it draws me to some of the reflections I've been having trying to uh, get into this manuscript. And Lent is a preparation to receive the resurrection. And like the resurrection is what we're made for, right? So in heaven, we will live like the fulfillment of the resurrection. And so I love that that's the title he went with. I think it's right on point with how Lent serves us and how the church has given us a gift in Lent in the sense that it is this time of preparation where we get to hone in on really what we should be focused on all year round, which is a preparation to receive the gift of the resurrection. Tell me what that means, the gift of, of the resurrection. Because I think we hear the word receive and we're like, oh, I received the Eucharist. I received grace in the sacrament of confession. I received salvation through baptism. But like receive the resurrection, that's a thing that happened to him. How do I receive that? Well, he, I mean, it happened to him so that it can happen to us. Mm. And it happens to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. For the power of the Holy Spirit to be fruitful in us, we have to prepare the soil. 
you know, to do the work of the preparation so that those graces can be like ever more fruitful in us. Mm-hmm. And so Lent helps us get at the heart of that, um, at the heart of like what the entire faith journey looks like so that we can be saints. Right. So the saints, Pope Francis said this, that the saints are not, how did he say it? I'm not going to quote it exactly right. <laughs> he said the saints are not perfect models for us to follow, whether the saints more so are people who were run through by God. Mm. And so they so fully let God's light shine through them in their unique colors. And so that's who the saints are. Like they're really exceptional recipients of the of the resurrection, the gift of the resurrection. It brings up an image in my mind. My spiritual director has been making me pray with images lately, which I hated at first, but then I was like, no, I don't I don't mind this. I love it. I do that a lot with my clients because sometimes I'll offer that to my clients who are stuck in prayer. Mm. And sometimes the words, praying with words and thoughts can get tricky, particularly if there's difficult things going on in our life. And so to toss all that out and just bring an image can be helpful. There's this children's museum in Pittsburgh that I brought my children to this summer after a Steubenville conference. And uh, there was like this light board thing where you'd like walk in between I don't, I'm not going to describe it correctly, and all of our Pittsburgh listeners are going to be annoyed that I'm decrying the good <laughs> of their children, although they have the original Mr. Rogers hand puppets, so it's like well worth a visit regardless of whether I describe this correctly or not. <laughs> but you go through this like light thing where on one side, you're like a shadow. So your shadow is on like mm. this one like whiteboard. And then on the other side, like the light is refracted differently. So you're just like a blob of light. And it's interesting because like on the shadow side, things are more defined, like you can see more clearly. And on the light side, you just look like this blob of robot light, essentially. But for some reason, the light side was more captivating than the shadow side to my kids because it was like they couldn't see the image fully, but the light was very attractive to them versus the shadow side where it was clearly defined. But like, well, they see that all the time. And I feel Mm. like that you're saying like light shining through the saints, God shining through them. You see a person striving for holiness. Lent would be a perfect example. You see Catholics doing like absurd things, denying ourselves <laughs> simple pleasures, going to mass more frequently. And like, I've been asked the question, why do you go to daily mass during Lent? You're, you don't have to. And it's like, yeah, I don't have to, but I, I want to. You see people being more generous. Like Lent does not make sense according to our secular world. And yet there is something attractive about it, even when it it doesn't totally make sense. Tell me why the world sometimes looks at Lent as odd and why even Catholics sometimes resist it because of that. Okay, this doesn't look entirely normal. But then also, weirdly, that asceticism is sometimes attractive. Like Ash Wednesday is the most attended Mass Day, even though it's not an ob- a holy day of obligation. <laughs> because like for some reason, Catholics are like, I must remember my death. Like I need my black ash cross on my forehead. <laughs> I need my ashes. Yeah, I need my ashes. Even though I don't go to Mass on Sunday, I got to have it. So there's like this weird, weird psychological experience with that. Unpack that for us as a therapist. Okay, so I'm going to split them apart because I think the reason it's odd secularly is different from the reason it's as Catholics we can be resistant. So I'm Mm going to separate them. Secularly, and when I say secularly, I'm ever more mindful of this. Like we're talking about American secularism, which is like Mm. different or like Western secularism, which is different from other cultures. And so America does generally have like an idea of the good is 
connected to like a hedonistic mindset, right? So that <laughs> I'm going to get mine. I mean, think about like our pop culture music, our rap music, right? Like our, like a lot of the present, not the good old rap, the old rap is good, but like our present, like, it's like, I'm going to get mine. It's all about the come up. Like mm. I'm, you know, negotiating the next level. I'm getting promoted. And so we've got a lot of that in our culture where it's like the idea that I'm going to have less so that there can be more, like more spiritually or more practically for others is not necessarily our culture in America is not steeped in that kind of mindset. And so I think that that's why it's odd, an odd time where I'm like, intentionally sacrificing however we didn't make ourselves and there are like just existential abiding truths about us that reveal how god made us and so god made us to strive towards him like to Mm -hmm. seek him to search for him this is all in the catechism right and so we were made with a longing so that we might turn and look for god and i and so that's an existential reality we cannot deny and we cannot like extricate up out of ourselves that reality. And so I think that's what creates the attraction. It's inherent in us to want to do what we need to do to draw closer to God. And that looks different from one person to the next. Mm-hmm. And it looks different according to like where they are in their faith journey, right? For some, it's a deep commitment. For some, it's simply a curiosity and an attraction. Like, I know I'm attracted to that, but I don't know why. So I think it's odd secularly for that reason. Um, But for Catholics, I think we get resistant because I think sometimes we can think the business of Lent are the sacrifices we've constructed. But I I think I've said this with you before in one of your shows. That is not the business of Lent. Mm. Like the business of Lent is what we receive because what we chose to sacrifice dispositioned us to be able to receive it. And so I think we can get resistant because what we constructed, our sacrifices, like I'm going to do this, do this, and I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that. When it starts getting fuzzy and weird and odd and we're struggling, then we think Lent's going bad. But really, like those things we prayed about and said we're going to do or not do were the things that helped us be ready to go about the business of Lent or to receive the Lent that God has in mind for us. And so I think that's where the resistance can come for us. You asked from a mental health perspective, from a mental health perspective, that has to do with like the problem of control Mm. and the illusion of control. Like we don't, we don't actually control what our Lent is supposed to be about. We receive what our Lent is supposed to be about from God, Mm -hmm. but we have this illusion of control because of the language we use in Lent. What am I giving up for Lent? What am I doing for Lent? And it creates the lie that I'm in control of what my life's about and you're not. Yeah. So what do you recommend to resist that? I recommend more prayer. And I know it's not, you know, I know people want to hear something way more sexy than more prayer. And I'm sorry, but it's not more. That's not what a nun does. (laughs) You know, it's not more sensational than more prayer. I'm sorry. But like, so what I'll find myself doing, like, is I'm, you know, just trying to grow in the faith life is to pray about the things that I discerned to do for Lent or not do during Lent to pray about the effect of that on me. Mm. And in that prayer, I will find where God wants to meet me for Lent and where the next step God wants to take with me 
in preparing to receive the resurrection. So, and a lot of times I'll break up my Lent. This has been a more recent thing for me as I'll look, I look at myself as a relationship. Like I, I, my primary relationship is to God. And without that relationship, I couldn't exist. And so my relationship with God, my relationship with myself and my relationship with others. And then I pray, what am I called to do differently in those three relationships during Lent? And so I'll go about that. And then as, you know, as I struggle and it gets hard and I fail and I resist it, I don't want to do it. And I only keep the commitment one out of 10 times. Then my prayer becomes like, what is trying to do this in those three ways of relating, bringing up that is a revelation on how I need God's grace, how God's calling me to be healed um, and what God wants to transform in my life. Mm. So those three relationships you are working through, relationship with God, self and others. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to get into the practicals of this because I think that's a great recommendation. Is it like, okay, we've got about six weeks of Lent. So is it two, two, two? Like you break it up in that way? It just depends. So like with my relationship with myself, like how am I taking care of myself? Mm -hmm. Do I need to make changes with how I treat myself physically regarding food and exercise? Do I need to make changes with how I view myself? Maybe I have patterns of negative thoughts and from Lent I want to actively work on you know, thinking about myself more positively or, or working on my thoughts? Or do I have problems with different areas where I've been trying to get more disciplined and I lack discipline, right? So how am I relating to myself? How do I view myself? How do I treat myself? What's going on in my inner world mm -hmm. that I'm called to take steps in? And so then with others, like, am I defensive? Am I resistant to feedback? Am I resistant to criticism? Am I judgmental with others? Am I dishonest in my relationships? Am I aware of something that's going on? Am I competitive, right? Am I insecure? Do I compare, right? So what's going on in my relationships with others? And particularly for me, sometimes I'll divide this up even further with the sisters, with my coworkers, with the people that I minister to. Where is there tension in those relationships that I can intentionally look at during Lent and say, I'm going to work on this particular feature in my way of relating to others mm. and see what that kicks up, you know, see what it kicks up. And then with God, like, have I been encountering Jesus in the sacraments the way I'm called to? So you talked about daily mass, but perhaps there's an increase in the frequency of confession. And then that's where the you'll answer the question or I answer the question, what's my prayer concretely going to look like mm -hmm. during Lent? Am I going to pray more? Am I going to be more faithful in my prayer as a sister? And that brings up also my communal prayer, which can be in others or it's others and God. Um, so are there areas of my communal prayer? I mean, it can be as practical as like, I'm always judging sister for her tone of voice when she prays. And maybe I can try to love her better and they're like, why is her? You know how some sisters, we all do this. Sisters, my sisters are going to kill me for this. But we have sisters who will sometimes, they have their regular voice and they have their prayer voice. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Priests do it too. And it's like, why is your homily voice different than your conversation voice? That's weird. You yeah. use your regular <laughs> voice, right? <laughs> I have a coffee yeah. cup that says, don't make me use my radio voice. And I kind of want to give that, don't make, don't use your nun voice. Don't use your priest voice. Use your voice. Yeah. It can be as simple things like that. Like, can I love Sister Better? I met a sister once who she was so irritated with the sister's prayer voices that she would wear earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> Did she have to confess that? Or is that just like... <laughs> I don't know. I just we heard the Lord. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to break canon laws right now. Oh, man. We heard the Lord. 
but like maybe she takes her earplugs out during Lent, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it can be as simple as that, yeah. but like, yeah. So just asking those questions, like we are a relationship, right? We don't have relationships. We literally are like our, mm-hmm. our existential foundation is relationship because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And so that's why a few years ago, it really became evident to me that like, if I'm going to be at home in heaven, I've got to let myself be refined in relationship mm. and the way I relate is to God and to myself and to others. And so, yeah, so yes, yeah, so it's a very practical, it isn't very practical, but I think the key is to sit with what trying to work on these aspects of relationship has picked up in you. Mm. And I think there will kind of find the treasure of Lent. Because we're not alone in heaven. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually the most profound, right? Heaven will be the most profound relationship we will have ever known, right? Mm-hmm. This interconnectedness, that reality of the body of Christ will be profoundly realized in heaven. Like the fact that we were all interconnected and that this happened because of Christ. Mm. He connected us all so that we might be able to find a home in heaven, that we can go where he went. I'm going to sit with that for a second because that is really profound. I think we always like, yeah, heaven's hopefully full. Like I, I want the the walls to be busting down. Mm-hmm. And like we talk about like heavenly friendships, like Carlo Acutis is like our family's heavenly pal. And he just like pops up right when we need him. Mm-hmm. Pope Francis recently said that like, I mean, he made it very clear. He's like, this is not dogma. This is just my thinking. My hope is that hell is empty and made a lot of people mad. And it was like, shouldn't we all be hoping for that? Like, I think that's the... <laughs> If you're only focusing on the hell part, you don't have a whole lot of hope in your life. And that that concerns me. But I think sometimes we forget that like this pursuit of holiness, especially during Lent, is not this like solo project. Do you remember the Peloton craze of a few years ago? Yes. And yes. like part of it, like the Peloton rose to popularity because of COVID and everybody was stuck at home. But then there was like this, but I want to be be with other people. And so I can watch these videos. I can watch this. I can give people virtual high fives. And then like two years into it, everybody's like, oh, wait, so we can just go back to the gym. Like, that's really what I want. I want actually be around people because we realize we're not made to do the workout by ourselves. That's why CrossFit's so freaking popular because you you can cheer people on. And yet sometimes I feel like Catholics and Lent feel like it's this solo project of my holiness and my pursuit of heaven. And and it's like, well, yes, like you are working on, on you. Jesus is working on you, but it shouldn't be antithetical to our Catholic practices to like ask the person that we're sitting behind mass, like, Hey, what are you doing for Lent? Or like, is there anything that like I can encourage you or you can encourage me? Like this community component. I don't think that happens enough in Catholic circles though. It doesn't happen enough. And I just want to encourage people. Like if you've been thinking like father Augustino's book, while mm-hmm. it's very nice, if you use it individually, it's even better used in a Bible study group. Yeah. And so if there's even like three of you who want to get together, five of you who want to get together. I started that also here at the convent, just some women. And I just sat down and thought like, who are women who I can be in the study with them? And they're not going to be like, I can't help it. They're going to look at me and want me to be their sister. Right. But I also need to be able to sit and be like, oh, the faith journey with y'all. You yeah. Know? I was like, who are some women who are going to let me, you know, we're running alongside each other. Yeah. And there was like 10 women who I knew would let me be that. And they wouldn't try to make me be their counselor. And we <laughs> also, and we just did Lent together last year. And it was like, 
the hundredfold. It was so wonderful. And now with resources like this book and the videos, I didn't have to be worried about trying to be their leader. We just hit play on the video. And then we talked about what came up in our prayer for the week. And we did share like how we felt called, you know, what we felt called to work on and Lent. Mm-hmm. And then we're able to share with each other what that brought us and what we were really needing to work on that was found in making the sacrifices mm-hmm. um, that we were making. And so, yes, like Pope Benedict says, one of my most, it's one of my favorite quotes to quote. So I'm probably quoting it too often now. But Pope Benedict says, like, no one sins alone and no one is saved alone. Mm. And so like that, he talks about that in his book, in his encyclical on hope. And so he says that um, for better or worse, our lives are intricately involved in one another's. And so we don't go to heaven alone. No. And, you know, and we also don't sin alone. And so, yeah, I love what you're saying that Lent is corporate. And being in community has also revealed that to me. And so in the convent, we do. We absolutely have like my private prayer about what I'm called to work on. But we have a house meeting and we'll talk about what are we doing as Mm -hmm. a local community in this convent from Lent? (laughs) And how, you know, what will our communal sacrifices look like? Um, And that's been also just been enriching for me to have to sit down with the sisters and say, okay, how are, what are we called? Yeah. to do differently during Lent. The community component has come into stark reality for my family recently because my sister is in formation as a postulant. And so she was mm-hmm. just for Christmas and she was telling us that they had an Advent communal sacrifice. And Rose, my six-year-old, who's very precocious and in Catholic school, she was like, that's for Lent. Advent is a time of joy. <laughs> and like immediately uh, smacked her down. And so Laura's like, well, actually... <laughs> Like historically, Advent was also kind of this penitential season of four four weeks, and then you had forty days of Christmas celebration, and then you'd like launch into. So it was just like this. Rose's mind was blown. She was like, "What did we give up for Advent?" And I said, "Cleanliness in the home. That's what we gave up for Advent because <laughs> Christmas just exploded far earlier than I wanted it to." But she explained to us that their their sacrifice was the same lunch, like they had the same lunch, and I I thought to myself, I was like is that lame or is that intense? Like I, I tried to like battle myself internally and it was pea soup. So it's pretty intense in my opinion that you just have yeah. pea soup for four weeks of, of Advent. And I said, so how was that? You know, you're my little sister and you're, and she said, you know, it would have been a lot harder if I was doing it alone, but we'd go in and we'd fix our pea soup and we'd sit <laughs> down and she'd be like, and you'd look around the table and some people would have a piece of bread and some people would have crackers and some people would have put like a little cheese. Everybody like kind of doctored their soup up just a little, but like we all kind of grinned and bore it together. The pea soup for Advent. And I said, did y'all just get like a bunch of peas donated? And she said, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And we just all decided like, this is the commitment we're going to make. So we don't waste all these peas. I couldn't get that out of my head. Like it would have been a lot harder if I was just doing it alone. Like Lent is a lot harder if it's just like I'm giving up sweets. But last year, my husband gave up sweets with me. And so we Mm. cleaned out the, I mean, we had a big Mardi Gras. We, uh, we ate all the ice cream. We got rid of all the cake (laughs) cakes. We removed the cookies. We did not buy coffee creamer. And it was hard those first couple of weeks. But like we would look at each other and be like, no dessert tonight. But that's okay because that's what we're doing to empty out that space. So the community can make those. Yeah. Hardships, yeah. maybe is not the right word, but that sacrifice easier 
what comes to mind, and this might be like heretical. So Ave Maria, if it is, you just say that was heretical. <laughs> but like what comes to mind is like when I'm sacrificing in the context of community, I get a glimpse of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so like that, those little joys across the table to like, you know, those those smiles and that because like there is this odd it's not odd. It's actually one of the most right things. And I think the laboring mother is probably the most profound sign of it Mm. in our world. The joy of the laboring mother, Yeah, you know, is probably the most profound visible sign of what's happening when you and I together or this community together is sacrificing so that we might be fruitful. And we see those little glimpses of it being joyful Mm. and that's so deeply connected to like the paschal mystery of christ you know that on the cross there was these signs of hope and joy you know his conversation with the thief is like a little glimmer and so i think that's what's happening you know you you get to really see what's really going on in the sacrifice it's not the sacrifice for sacrifice sake but it's like sacrifice for the kingdom yeah the coming kingdom and, and for the res- the resurrection. It's it's switching into HD. It's it's going from yeah. yeah, it's like you turn on that filter on your TV where it's like this is hyper realistic. I don't know if I yes, like this, but then you can't yes. go back afterwards. It's like, oh, every TV looks dull. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Sister, we are adding one little component to every episode this year for our Lent season to just encourage people. Um somebody's listening to this, it's a week before Ash Wednesday. They are gearing up to do all the things that we just talked about. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. And I think, I mean, Lent, we're recording this when Lent is less than a month away. So I certainly am not ready. <laughs> I need to find those twigs that we collected last year for our table display. It's like, where did we put this? <laughs> and because uh, there's not very much Lenten decor. I think that's why Easter and Advent are more accessible to people because you can go into home goods and buy stuff for it. But like mm-hmm. you try to find Lent decor and <laughs> I mean, Lent no. decor is just bare. Just like get rid of everything. Put, put some that rocks. purple scarf on the table. Yeah, purple. Well, yeah. yeah, we we just like get rid of the Mardi Gras decor and then it feels very absent. But we're, we're trying to encourage people who are like wanting to, I hate to say do a good Lent, but like really lean into what we've all talked about so that they can embrace this made for heaven. Father talks about entering into the wilderness so that we can become holy. So what is your, you know, your 32nd, let's punch them in the arm and give them some encouragement. You know, you're, you're with them at the CrossFit gym. You're there with them in the Peloton class. Like you are encouraging community. What do you <laughs> say to that Catholic, to that non-Catholic, to that person who just really wants to embrace Lent for all that it can be? I guess I want to encourage people to like, you're going to have an idea of what it means to perfectly embrace Lent. And then you're going to do a fraction of that and be excited about your fraction. Oh, that's good. I guess so like view your fraction the way that God views your fraction. Because remember, God looks at us like a father looks at children and you would never look at your child and be like, how dare you didn't get it perfect, right? You would be excited that they're trying and, and bring them along on the way towards perfection over time, slowly. And so, yeah, just whatever fraction you do and trying to, like Katie said, do a good one. I know that God is pleased that you have put forth effort. Be excited and proud about it. If you get some rocks and a cloth on the table and that's it, great. Uh, if you hung up some Lenten pictures, great. Um, but above all, pray, pray. Even if it's just a couple minutes a day, pray. Mm, I love that. Sister, you have a podcast that I adore. 
Can you tell us where <laughs> folks can go listen to it and grab a copy of your amazing book? OSB Stories. So it's Hope Stories on the OSB Podcast Network. My book is also, it's called Hope and Invitation, and it's on OSB's website as well as Amazon. And we're getting ready for the second season of the Hope Stories podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm pumped for it. I can't wait. It's uh, one of like the only three podcasts I regularly listen to that's not... <laughs> A political podcast. So I, I love that. And also you are, you hinted it at the start. You're writing our Lent journal for next year for Ave. Can you like give us a little tiny clue? A little tiny clue? I mean, I have look, I have to meet with the editor this week to make sure this little this clue is approved. Um, but it is, I guess I will I'll the hint I'll give is that I, I do believe Lent is a glimpse of like what the whole faith journey will look like. And so the journal is is leaning towards being a tool to like help us with the foundational elements of the whole of the, of the faith journey, like of our life faith journey. And so hopefully it'll be something a little more evergreen than Lent that people can use during Lent, but also yeah. find relevant even outside of Lent. Awesome. I can't wait for it. We'll see you next year when we uh, do another one of these then. <laughs> for that one, right? Yeah. yeah. Thanks, sister. I appreciate it. Thank you, Katie. I really loved Sister's very practical advice in this episode about discerning what we do for Lent, what we give up, what we choose to embrace, where we choose to give, by actually going through our relationships, looking at our relationship with the people that we're closest to, the relationships with people that we're struggling with, the relationships with people where things are going really, really well, and kind of evaluate, okay, what does God want me to do in this area? How can God help provide healing? How can the Lord help provide comfort? What can the Lord lead me to in a more distinct and particular way? I think one of the things that I've always really appreciated about Sister Josephine's insight is she's coming at this from both the perspective of a religious sister, but also from a a clinician. She's a mental health clinician. She works with therapy patients all the time, students and adults, and has just a real breadth of knowledge with how we can work on ourselves in tandem with the Lord and really pursue that mental health that so many of us are are desperately seeking. And I think she's coming at this advice, look at the relationships in your life, because she very much understands, you know, no man is an island. We don't walk through this spiritual journey. We don't walk through life alone. And so as we're getting closer to Lent, we're just a week away, right at the outset, now might be the perfect time to start kind of doing that examine of those relationships. Maybe there's a phone call that you need to make this week. Maybe a text message that you need to fire off. Maybe an invitation. Maybe you go buy an extra copy of Made for Heaven and send it to somebody and say, I want to walk this Lenten journey with you. This could really be a profound time. And and if you embrace the Lenten season as I'm not just going to grin and bear it, I'm not just going to get through it, but I'm going to let the Lord do something within me over the course of the season something really profound and beautiful could happen. I, for one, am excited to see what this Lent will bring. And I'll certainly be praying for you as you walk with us through this podcast, as you read Made for Heaven. Just as a friendly reminder, the book that Father Augustino has written isn't just a book. We've got this accompaniment podcast, as well as these beautiful videos that Father has created that are completely and totally free if you go to AveMariaPress.com. You can sign up to get the videos into your inbox. You can watch them on the website. These would be a perfect companion for, say, a family Sunday evening as you're going into a new week of the Lenten season. Perfect for in your classroom with your students, maybe your youth ministry, your RCIA. They're really designed to spark further conversation and reflection. 
And of course, if you sign up for our Ave Explorers emails, you'll get all of this great information right to your inbox every week when we drop our brand new episodes. And with that, we just want to tell you some of the great guests that we have coming up on this season of Ave Explorers. Mark Hart will be joining us. Father Agostino himself talking about the book in a little more detail. Claire and Mike Couchy, Manny Gonzalez, Tanner, Kalina, Father Tim and Nastos. Some incredible folks who have just a wide range of experiences that can really give us insight both into their story and the season of Lent and the great themes that Father Augustino has given us to reflect on. So please make sure you're signed up for our series, follow the show, give it a rating and a review, share it with your friends. And we'll be back next week with Father Augustino himself to dig into the beauty and the gift and the value of Ash Wednesday on its own in the Lenten season altogether. We're so excited to journey with you. Thanks for being here. Grab a copy of Made for Heaven down at the link in our bio, and we'll see you next week for more of Ave Explorers. Explorers.